Well, good morning, Community Church. We are thrilled to be together, even if we are uh, not in person. We are so glad that you were able to get online and join us today, particularly today because this is the end of what has been a fairly short series, but a very important and strategic and significant series for us called Advance, which is all about the mission and the vision of us as a local church together. And so these few weeks have been a very deliberate and concerted attempt to cast vision into the hearts of the church family, into the hearts of every man and woman and child in terms of how we can serve God best in this generation. And our prayer has been, we're asking that, for 100% of every person who is in any way a part of this local church, that the Holy Spirit would influence your life, that God would speak to you, nudge you, direct you, lead you, guide you, as it pertains to your generosity, so that we would see the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our generation. And that's just plain exciting. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you. And, and here's the thing. We've actually seen real stories of that happening in the lives of people in our church where God's leadership comes to bear, and then we see life transformation taking place. Let me give you a snapshot of what Advance is all about the last 12 months and now these upcoming 12 months as well. $2 million of medical, uh, of medical debt paid off in 54 counties across the state of Michigan. The launch of a brand new campus in Alma, increased generosity and impact into world missions and local missions in both Isabella and Gratiot County, the ability to respond to the flood that took place in Midland, and then in terms of this pandemic, the, an ability to respond to that locally where we live here. But there's more significant gospel work yet to come. We cannot wait to launch a 12-step recovery Christ-centered program right here at the Mount Pleasant venue here uh, in this church. I, I gotta say, there is, I believe, a major deficit of resources for individuals who are struggling with habits and addictions and hurts and wounds, and we cannot wait to see how the Holy Spirit uses that. We also want to breathe a little bit of new life into the older part of the, the facility, which is almost 40 years old at this stage, and then we are excited to move towards uh, permanency in terms of the church uh, campus in Alma. And then lastly, we also can't wait to get scholarships up and running for community groups so they can actually reach out into the community and the stories that will come from that as well. Okay, before we go any further, I want to draw a little picture for you here if I can. And this is a little bit more about church leadership before we actually open up uh, a verse or two in the scriptures. So church leadership, and as I draw this little illustration here, the truth is this actually would completely work as an illustration for you individually, or for your family, or for your business, or where you go to work, or for your nonprofit, but I want to I wanna use this illustration as it pertains to us right here, the local church. And so what I want to draw is quite simply uh, what's known as a bell curve, and there it is here. So 40 years ago, this is where we were this starting place. So we had a bunch of men and women who felt the nudge and the call and the leadership of God upon their lives. And so what did they do? Well, they responded with obedience. They all got together and with humble hearts, they were simply seeking God's face. How can we serve you best in this place 40 years ago? 
And so they rolled up their sleeves and now they begin to pour out their lives as they're praying, as they're worshiping, as they're giving, as they're serving, as they're making disciples. And what do we see take place? Well, it would be the, a sense of growth and fruit. We see the church just moving in a wonderful direction. And so now we see life tra transformation taking place and we see discipleship taking place. Until you get to this point right here, top of the hill, top of the bell curve. Now, here's the scary thing about the top of the bell curve. And again, this pertains to you as an individual, family, business, nonprofit, but for us as a local church, the word is success. Great word, but also a very dangerous word. Because you can get to the point where you've experienced all of this growth from seeking God and working hard and pouring out your life, and you can reach this point right here where the scary thing is you might sit back and that group of people that started off right here, now they're here and they look around and they say, we've arrived. This is great. Look at what the Lord has done. Now we can sit back and just relax and just enjoy the success of that. And I'll tell you what that leads to. It leads to the death and the decline of any church. Or again, nonprofit, business, your family, or even you as a person. And what you have to do is when you reach this critical point right here, is you need to stop and you ask yourself once again, no God, I know years have transpired, but once more we want to find ourselves on our face before you, seeking you, asking for you direction. Uh, God, what is a new, fresh, creative way that in this generation we can serve you once again? In Acts it says this, Moses was educated in all of the ways of the Egyptians and he was powerful in speech and action. So God, we want to be so aware of the world that is around us that needs Jesus Christ. We bring the never-changing, eternal message of the gospel. Look at Paul in the New Testament. Paul, when he's talking to a Jewish audience, a Greek audience, or a Roman audience, what does he do? He changes his tactics and his strategies and his language. It's the same eternal message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but what he does is he adapts so that some might come to know the Lord. And that's what we see. And so for us as a church, it's kind of where we're at right now. And what I, what I don't want for us to ever do is to just sit back and say, well, that's been great. Once again, God. So here's what happens, and here's the healthiest thing that we could do as a church, is you build a new bell curve. And you start from this point, and off you go. And once again, you get a group of people who seek his face. How can we serve you? How can we pour out your lives? How can we best serve this generation? How can we see more discipleship, more transformation, more growth? Church, this is where we're at right now. That's, what that's what's exciting, I think, about the last 12 months, these upcoming 12 months, and the years that are ahead of us. Let me ask you this question if I can. When it comes to this person called Jesus Christ, is he the center of all that we're doing? Listen to these words from Rick Warren. He says this, if you're not making mistakes, then you're probably not trying anything new. If you're not trying anything new, then you're not learning. And if you're not learning, then you and your ministry will quickly be out of date, perhaps even irrelevant. One reason risk-taking is so critical to your ministry is that it ties into faith building. 
In other words, risk-taking is an expression of faith. And a godly risk-taker is being faithful in his service to God. Will we believe God for big things, community church? Will we? If the answer is yes, then we automatically become godly risk-takers. Men and women who live by faith and not by sight. That's where we're at. And the best part of all of that is that all of the glory and honor and praise goes to Jesus Christ. And can I state this as clearly as I am able? Jesus Christ is the head of this church. Forty years later, Jesus Christ is still the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the one that we love and that we serve and that we give and that we point to so that he gets all of the honor and the glory. There's not a single person in this church, myself included, that should be on the receiving end of accolades or attention or pats on the back or the recognition. No, the hero of our faith is the one who died and rose again. And we trust him and we trust, man, I just believe that we're following his lead. We better be following his lead. And all of these efforts through advance, that's our best attempt simply to follow him right now. So who is this man? Did he really live? Did he really exist? The one called Jesus Christ. Probably the most polarizing character in all the world. Today, if you got on a plane and you flew for hours and uh, then you got on a car and you drove into the depths of the jungles of Africa, they've heard about Jesus there. Today, if you got on a boat and you got off in the depths of South America, they've heard about Jesus Christ there as well. People love him. People hate him. People get uncomfortable when you say his name. Every world religion acknowledges that he existed. Even renowned atheists today would acknowledge that Jesus Christ actually lived. There was this man. Seemingly, this nobody from nowhere, Nazareth, born in back of nowhere, Bethlehem, a town that most people really couldn't even point to on a map. He comes with this incredible message of love. Now let me state what I believe to be a cliche, a phrase that you've probably heard again and again. Jesus died for my sins. Because this is the claim of Christianity. Jesus died for my sins. You may have heard it so many times, those words can become meaningless. But think about it. Somebody actually gave their life for you. They suffered and were tortured. And they did this because you and I are alcoholics. Because you and I are filled with hate and rage. Because you and I are porn addicts and sex addicts. Because we're liars. Because we are faithless. Because we are cruel. Because we are greedy and selfish. Because we're addicted to drugs and food and television and all kinds of things. And so often we just move forward in life just looking for that next little thrill to satisfy ourselves. And Jesus says, yes, I came and died and bled for you in the middle of that mess. That's what I came for. It is a story about somebody coming to rescue you because you cannot rescue yourself. Every church has the capacity to be derailed. Now we've talked about generosity and finances today and the prior two weeks. That can derail a church. Absolutely. Unless a church is saturated in the word of God and 
and following that sense of truth. Every church has the capacity, the, the room, for somebody to either come in from the outside or to be already on the inside. And they come in and they begin to say some words that seem to make sense and that sound good, but after a certain amount of time, maybe some weeks or months or maybe even years, the trajectory of that church has completely changed. And Paul says in the New Testament, the solution for this is you've got to return to the Word of God. You've got to see Jesus Christ for who He is. Community church is 40 years old, over the hill, and gaining momentum. And I trust that right now, as a church, as a leadership, as a family, that we have our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ now more than at any other time in our history. We reject the idea that in order to be a follower of Christ, you have to take on board extra rules or extra ceremonies just to make people happy. The central idea, the foundation, the bedrock of this church is simple. It is Jesus Christ. That's it. And you have to resolve this for your life. Nothing else needs to be added to what I've just said, Jesus Christ. If you want to know if you're in a healthy church, if you want to know if your church is actually following Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God, one of the ways that you'll know that is that you'll get online or you'll come to the church and somebody will get up to speak and you'll find them talking about Jesus Christ. That is a sign of a really healthy church. And then you can come back several weeks later, a month later, or maybe even a year later, and you might be sitting there and you might say to yourself, oh, I wonder what they're going to talk about today. And that pastor gets up and he talks about Jesus Christ. You can know you're in a healthy church. And we will not stop talking about Jesus Christ. That is the sign of a healthy church. Because it's only Jesus who has the power to save and to change lives. The center of all that we do, the center of all doctrine, the center of all teaching, the center of all worship and service and prayer and giving and tithing and praise and adoration and everything else that you can think to put your hand to, I want to give you one word, one name, Jesus Christ. Not only is it Jesus Christ, but just in, in case you're not clear, I want you to know today that he is actually the supreme one. There's nobody else to compare to Jesus Christ. He is above all other things. There are other things that are good in the faith, wonderful things. Angels are wonderful. We read about them in the Bible. The law is a wonderful thing. It's good. It has a purpose. It has a goal. There are many things in Christianity that are good and right and appropriate and helpful but as good as all those things may be, just to be absolutely clear, as good and as important as they may be, they are dwarfed in the person of Jesus Christ. All of those things have value, and they are important and significant because on their very best day, they simply point to Jesus Christ. And we will never stop preaching that. It actually goes further. Not only is Jesus the supreme one, but Jesus is also sufficient. He has done everything necessary. If you go anywhere and you actually hear, well, it's Jesus plus something else. Red flags should be warning, warning flags should be going off right in front of your face. If it's Jesus plus rules. If it's anyone says it's Jesus even plus this church, community church. No. Jesus plus some personality or a book that you have to read or some course that you have to take. All of that is actually nonsense. 
if you hear that at any point in your life, alarm bells should be ringing. Something is seriously wrong here. Jesus plus anything else won't work. It's not Jesus plus Catholicism or Protestantism. It's not Jesus and try to be a really nice person. There is no church that can save you. There's no place that can save you. There are no saints that can save you. There's no personality. There's no angel that can save you. There's no man that can save you. There's no doctrine that can save you. Only Jesus Christ has the power to change your life. And something inside your spirit right now, as I'm speaking this right now, something inside of you should just go, yes, amen, that resonates as truth in my life down to my core. It's not my works. It's not my Bible reading. It's not the money I give. It's not the good stuff I do. It's not my reputation. It's not the people I know. I'm only standing because of Jesus Christ. Amen? You can give me an amen in the chat there if you like. Let me look at the scripture. 2 Corinthians And we're going to be reading from the 8th chapter. This little passage here, just a few verses, just to complete our advanced series, is going to give us two prime examples of generosity. Verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Three locations. Macedonia, Jerusalem, Corinth. Okay, the scripture we just read was a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. He's talking about a church in a place called Macedonia. The reason why I bring up Jerusalem is because at this exact time, Jerusalem was having a hard time, the church. And the reason why things were so difficult for them was because they were encountering a population who just had a ton of needs, people who were living impoverished lives. What this scripture is telling us is that the church in Macedonia actually wanted to pour in blessing and finances and gifts into the church in Jerusalem. Paul is looking at the church in Corinth, and he's saying, I want you to see what Macedonia did. I want you to see how they blessed this church that had a need in Jerusalem. Church in Corinth... I want you to be like the church in Macedonia. And here's what we can see from the scripture. The church in Macedonia, not only did they give, but they gave with joy. They gave beyond their means. And they actually begged Paul for the privilege of giving. Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you really wanted to bless somebody? You really wanted to give something to somebody? But they were like, oh, no, you know, you don't have to give me. And you found yourself saying something like, oh, no, no, please, I want you to have this. I, I can get another one. No, you need this more than I need this. You need this right now. Please, please, just let me give this to you. Please take this. Would you do that? That's a wonderful place to be in. That's what the church in Macedonia were doing. Paul, we're begging you. We want to be a part of helping and serving and solving a major problem for the church in Jerusalem. 
And all of this we see in the scripture was dedicated to God and it was dedicated to his work. So Paul is challenging the church in Corinth. Hey guys, I want you to be like the church in Macedonia. He wants them to use the language in the scripture. He says, I want you to abound in grace. And then what he's doing is, he's being kind of hardcore about it. He's removing their excuses. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen a need and maybe even felt the Holy Spirit prodding you to step into that need? And what quickly came to your mind, or maybe even out of your mouth, was excuses. And Paul is saying, I'm going to take those excuses away. I'm going to push you towards living generous lives that reflect the generosity of Christ towards you. In fact, that kind of generosity is simply evidence of God's grace and God's generosity towards you. You see, giving is proportional. Look at what God has given to me. Now stop for a second and think about that. Think of all that God has poured out into your life. His kindness and His patience. The giving of His Son. His Word, His presence, His power. His love for you. His long-suffering with you. And now our giving is proportional as a response to the generosity of God. It's full of joy. Our giving is to be an expression of gratitude to God and to the family of God. That's the first example that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The second example is the ultimate example. The first is Macedonia, and the second is this. Take a look at verse 8. Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So what's the ultimate example? Macedonia is the first example, but the ultimate example is actually Jesus Christ himself. And that's who we elevate. That's who's head of this church. Paul says, look, I want you to excel in the act of grace, in the act of generosity. Macedonia is a great example, but the ultimate example of the giving of grace and the giving of generosity is definitely Jesus Christ because he is the one who vacated heaven for you. Now give that one a second. He left heaven, perfection, paradise, a multitude of angels, rightfully so, appropriately so, just singing the glorious praises of the person of Jesus Christ, constantly, perfect union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Why would you ever leave that? And he says, I would gladly go. I will gladly do my Father's will. I will gladly vacate heaven and come to this broken place. I'll experience temptation, suffering, tremendous rejection, and give my life for you. That's what that scripture means when it says, he was rich, but for your sake, he became poor. Paul says that's the ultimate example for every one of us, every single one of us. This is the one we model our lives after. He lets go of what he has, and he willingly gives his life away. There is such kindness in this, in Christ. Such kindness in the scripture, giving us an example to move us away from a self-centered and a selfish life, which is our mode of operation. Our nature is to go down that way. And God is saying, no, I want you to see these examples. I want you to see Macedonia. And I want you to see my son, Jesus Christ, 
And I want, to, I want that to, to sift through you. I want that to impact your mind and your heart. I want it to bring transformation, to take you away from selfishness and self-centeredness and bring you into generosity. How many people do you know, honestly? And you would say, their stuff owns them. I know those people. They're owned by their stuff. How many people do you know? And the truth is, is that money simply runs their life. How many people do you know who are, are obsessed with making money and spending money? They love to spend money. How many people do you know who say they want to be generous? They would say that, but they have no plans to be generous. And they simply never do that. Despite saying that they, that's something that they want in their lives. Sometimes that's us. How many people do you know where their way of actually coping with life and numbing themselves because of the pains of life is to simply leverage money, to buy things, to get a high out of that, to get a kick out of that, for that to entertain them, for that to become their next little thrill so they can cope with life. God says, that's not what I want for you. And Jesus says, let me be your example. You have a choice. Almighty God or the almighty dollar. I won't share you with a dollar. I won't do that. You can pick one or the other. I have much greater things for you and for your life than to you to be simply driven by money. It's not that he doesn't want you to have things. He wants to make sure that things don't have you. He wants to make sure that the things that you buy don't consume you. Let's take a moment. I want you to take a look at a story from a beautiful couple in our church and how God has spoken to them and the generosity that has been given birth to. We've been together since, um, married since 2014 and then probably 2011, I think, prior to that. It was really important to him when we first started dating. Michaela, our oldest, went to community church and it was um, important for her to go to church. She loves going to church. I'll be honest, at first I was like, you go to church? Okay. And I've always grew up a Christian, but didn't really make it a priority in my life, I guess. And then I saw it was a priority in his life and going for her and something she enjoyed. So. Yeah, for me, I grew up going to church. Like my parents would drop me off at Sunday school, and then they'd leave and come back and pick me up. And but for me now, going to community church, it's like I don't just want to drop them off. I want to stay. You know, you sit there and everything. It just kind of they make it relatable, and it just feels like okay, everything that you're talking about is like just current stuff in my life, and it's just really helpful at that point because it's you know things I'm going through. It was just one of those moments where I was like this church is very important and this is where we belong so so i've always heard of tithing but i didn't quite understand it and probably a couple weeks before the advanced series started my friend courtney who does the same line of work that i do so i'm uh, social media influencers like i i don't like that i like to say like i inspire people but that's my title in the company that i used to work for we had a good month and we were so proud of her. She really excelled. And I was like, Courtney, like, what are you going to do with this money? This is crazy. And she's like, I can't wait to tithe it. And I was like, 
okay, but then what are you gonna do? Because I, I couldn't grasp, like, you're gonna tithe that much money? And she talked about it, and she talked about how, like, God, and she has an incredible story in faith and what God has done for her, and I know her story, but when she said that, and that was her first response, I was like, holy cow. And then a couple of weeks later, the advance series started, and I, I knew that there was a reason. In play. I mean, I looked to him, and I was like, God is talking to me right now, so. Yeah, for me, it was just kind of like, you know, whatever cash I had in my wallet, you know, I put it in the, in the envelope or put it in the in the thing that they passed by, you know, and just kind of whatever I could I could help out with, I would, and I felt like that was pretty good. But now that we like take that extra step and like make sure that we're we're doing what we need to do. That was really cool. We did help out. Pay. I saw that we helped pay medical bills, and I was like, I was a part of that. Like I felt good that we did that together. Growing and going into you know branching out go to Alma too and uh, I grew up in Alma and so like I see like it's a lot of families that I that I knew from a long time ago and the, you know when I give it helps with that too and that's really cool to see. I always say God did not give me this platform just to share hair and makeup and fashion and mom life with you guys like that is not the purpose of it it's there yes it's there to encourage you but more or less it's here for me to tell you God is good and that he is number one. If you put him number one in your life, um, he will be there to provide for you. It's been the more that we've been able to give, it seems like the less we've had to work. Like mm -hmm. we really um, have been able to slow down and spend more time with the family. And it's like, I don't know how really we're doing this. We, we used to work a lot more and now we're, uh, we're able to ride more and work less, and it's it's just you, you gotta can't help but feel like that's not something coming from you. That's something coming from Creator. I would say just do it. You know, it it's, it it takes faith. You know, and I mean that's kind of what it's there for. And you uh, once you realize that you know you you can give, and then it can it can help others, and you can it's not gonna not gonna ruin you, it's, it's just gonna help others. So. If anything, this year, and even looking back from me and when we got together, and all the trials that me and him have been through, I'm like, there was always a plan. I was just always trying to make my own plan, and God's like laughing at me, because that's not how it works, and we know that, but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Praise God for that incredible story of God at work. And you know, that's our prayer. That is a, probably a great example of just two people in our church that the Holy Spirit got a hold of and spoke to. And we've been praying that for 100%, every person who's a part of our church, whether you've been coming here for 40 years or whether you've been coming very recently, if community church in any way, shape, or form is a place that you would say, it's a spiritual home for me. It's a place where I come and I worship and I receive spiritual nourishment. What we want is that the Father would actually speak to you, that he would nudge you as it pertains to generosity so that the gospel would advance in this generation. I want to ask you to do two things right now. I'm going to ask you to pray, you whether you're by yourself or with your family. And then secondly, I'm actually going to ask you to fill out a commitment card right now. 
We're going to worship in just a moment as we do that. If you need a commitment card for anyone online, your host will place a link in the chat right now. You can click on that and easily access a commitment card. For many others, not everybody, but for many people, we were actually able to send out a hard copy of the commitment card in the post throughout the week. And so you probably received that in the last day or two. Go ahead and grab it, and actually now's the time to fill it out. So we're going to worship now in just a moment, uh, and then I'm going to ask you to pray as we do that and fill out your card, and then I'll come back. I have one or two more important things to say, and then we'll take it from there. This is a high moment. This is a holy moment, church. Go ahead and pray and fill out your cards.